The demand for energy is accelerating like never before. New sources are emerging and established ones are evolving. Collectively, all sources will provide the fuel needed to support future global demand. Here on the Energy Scale-Ups podcast, we explore and learn about the people and companies solving today's problems to produce tomorrow's energy needs. Here is your host, Jose Solis. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Halliburton Labs. Halliburton Labs works with early stage companies to help accelerate their growth by providing access to operational expertise, mentorship, as well as financing opportunities as companies prepare to scale. Enter to win their weekly giveaway at HalliburtonLabs.com forward slash giveaway. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to be speaking with Michael Maltzev. Michael is a serial entrepreneur, guest speaker, author, and business consultant. He began his career in 1993 in Belarus, where he specialized in accounting and finance. He then transitioned into professional consulting in 2005, where he led over 200 software implementation projects. With a desire to reinvent himself, Michael left his home in Belarus and relocated to Canada in 2009, where he served as the CFO of Rigstar Communications, a leading oil and gas telecom provider in Western Canada. Then, in 2012, he decided to start Belkasoft Corporation, a software development and management consulting company. In the same year, he discovered that the oil-filled rental industry needed a digital solution to manage operations, so he founded Rigor, which has become one of the leading software solutions for energy service and rentals in Canada and the United States. Michael holds a master's degree in finance and an MBA from the University of Buffalo School of Management. So without further ado, please welcome Michael Maltzov. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So all these years you have on the earth, what wisdom do you want to share with the audience, you know, now that you're celebrating your, I'm not going to say the number, but let's say 40 plus (laughs) years, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I would say that don't be afraid and everything is possible. This is this is probably the main main wisdom. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know, kind of set the the big goals and move forward. That's the advice which I've got from one of the very wisdom person in my life and then yeah, everything is possible. So we talked earlier this week and you know, before we got ready to start the podcast and you'd give me a little bit of your backstory. If you wouldn't mind, just share some of your story. You know, I know you're from Belarus. So share yeah. some of your story with the with the with the audience. Sure, sure. I was born in Russia, and it was number number of years ago, and travel a lot. and And I start start my initial business in Belarus as a software company, and we developed software for complex enterprises, agriculture, transportation, manufacturing, very big companies, and it was quite successful business. However, we had a a very different view of the development of the company with my partner because, <laughs> as I told you, they, he decided to... We both focused on the profit, and uh, my my main idea about that was to grow the revenue. His idea was to cut expenses, and that's the main difference, and it was probably number one reason why we decided to split the company, and so... That was my first experience. And the worst uh, case that first business was that the shares was 50-50. So you could make a decision. Yeah, you mentioned that. You said that was probably one of the hardest ways to really have, like to start a business or or to run a business was to have have it 50-50 or as you even... It's a second second worth. 
the yeah. second worst, yeah. and the first one yeah. was yeah. having yeah. one third, right? One third, one third. It's, it's yeah. It's it's probably the like craziest situation which you can have because you know in that situation sooner or later two partners start friendship against the third one. So it's it's <laughs> happened. <laughs> With that being said, what do you feel is probably the ideal scenario? The ideal scenario would be in any situation you need to understand who will make a decision. Even if you will have 50-50, you need to understand, okay, the final word will be for that partner, maybe for this year, maybe for these five years. But you need to have a working mechanism of the decision-making. It's it's important because so otherwise, like, yeah, because again, it's it's easy when you start and yeah, we have same shares, we are friends and and this is a, probably the dangerous point because when business face it and sooner or later business will face it with challenges, different partners uh, will have different opinion about how to move forward. Yeah, so you're saying having a designated decision, like final decision maker yeah. Out of the partnership, someone that has sure. like, we're going to all work on this problem, but at the end of the day, you know, the final word comes from so-and-so and, yeah. and, and we'll have it this way and we'll establish this way for X amount of time. And that might change later on, but at least for the foreseeable period of time. Yeah. We'll first five years, this, for example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll go this route and, and that will, that will help us because you mentioned, and, and this kind of goes to scaling your business, right? You have to have the ability to make decisions fast, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially this is, this is a very important, again, for any business which I participated, the fast moving forward and making decisions faster and act faster, it's probably a main different marketing differentiator. Because for the small businesses, again, the business started, all, all business started small. It's the only advantage as compared as the big guys it's the way how you're moving the speed of actions and how faster you respond to your to your client request or market changes because why those small guys beat those big giants with all the resources and everything because they're moving faster this is this is the only reason so we covered a little bit about you know what you did and and how you've gotten here tell us a little bit about so rigor you know, it's been, you guys started in 2012. How many people did you start with? Where are you at today? How did you get there? It was very interesting because I moved to Canada in 2009 and I get involved in an oil and gas business, oil field rentals to be precise and become a CFO of the rental company. My background is accounting and finance, by the way. And I faced the, the situation when the, all the equipment tracking and operations records are running out of whiteboards and Excel spreadsheets. And it was really tough. I tried to find the right solution for oil field rental business and realized that there are two different types of software those days, oil field services, which is not focusing on the rental business. By the way, there are many, many solutions. So nowadays... Again, I'll focus on the oil field services without rental component. Or general rental software, which are not designed for oil field services. So for construction purposes, for other industries, but in general, they, the business processes are different. And I tried to find that, kind of spend a couple of years to find the right solution. And based on my previous experience, I, I realized that we can build something for our own 
and I call my guys back home and ask, okay, let's do the prototype. Initially, it was only me and the guys was contractors. So I just started this as an idea in the pilot project. And it was tough three years because we spent probably a year and a half to get to the first client. And then next six months to get second client. And then it's coming faster and faster and faster and faster. And the pivot point was maybe five years ago when we moved to the U.S. market because we started in Calgary in Canada. And initial clients were Canadian companies, mostly rental companies, not services. And then we moved to the United States. And uh, right now we have a business entity in Houston, our subsidiary. Okay. So, yeah, we have two companies right now. And what's the headcount now, now that it's grown over the years? You know, uh, <laughs> every every time when we need to pay salary, I think it's too too much. <laughs> but right now we have 18 people. Yeah. 18. Totally. Okay. Yeah. So from yourself plus, plus to 18 minus, people. Yeah, 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 yeah. So plus minus, because depending on how many projects we have, we add more or less consultants for the implementation projects. But in general, yeah, it's just number of growing, growing, growing. And, you know, as you've grown, right, what is it that helps you sort of make that distinction? Like, okay, hey, we need to increase headcount. I mean, how is it that you you start to look at what your activity is or, or what do you make that decision based off of? Yeah, it's very important because the strategy means not what you're doing, but you need to first identify what you will not do. And we decided for ourselves that uh, we will not touch several points in the organizations. But again, our business model gives us a good forecast because uh, we have a SaaS model and we have good predictability of what kind of revenue we'll have each particular year based on our current client base. And we can understand where we need to add different resources, for example. And again, we consider our client... Our, our company as the client journey, so from marketing, then sales, then operations, and then when clients convert from the potential leads to users, we have support. So those those main components. And definitely we have development and administration. This is, this is the structure of our company. And if we see that some of the area required additional resources, then we start adding people there. So the end user or the ideal customer profile, tell me what that looks like for you guys. So what we see, it should be oil for rental companies with the number of assets, thousands of different rental units. Talking about our ideal clients, and again, the picture of the ideal clients growing as we're growing and becoming bigger and bigger. Say, for example, five years ago, it was one picture. Right now, we see completely different. So, and I would say that should be from 100 people to maybe 1,000 people size and thousands of rental units. So, our clients operate with 10,000 units, with 50,000 units. So, again, it should, should be a significant size so the people understand the complexity, they understand the kind of different processes which needed to be in place for, for that. So, so when... You guys have a software as a service model, right? SaaS model. Yep. And it's based off of subscriptions, correct? So when you bring on new clients, it depends on how many licenses they need to issue and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Is that right? Yeah. Initially, when we come to the organization, we ask, okay, what do you have? Like we're starting from the processes. Do you have the understandable described 
processes. <laughs> Another thing, if those processes are reflect what you're actually doing, because in some cases we see that the organization, they have processes on the paper and completely different story of what they actually do. So this is the main, main identification, what we need to do and how we need to do things. Then we assess if they, what kind of, so we do an initial assessment and understand what kind of quality of data they have. Say, for example, a list of rental units. Do we have a, a categories, classifications, unit numbers, etc.? What kind of format do you have? Excel spreadsheets or different database or, or paper sometimes. And after that, we build with the client the action plan. So like a step-by-step process, what needs to be done. So And usually when we talk about the subscription and implementation from client to client, but in general, it's like a 50-50 from, from the budgetary, budgetary standpoint. And after that, we ask, okay, who will use the system? What will be the roles? And based on that, we set up the number of users. And we have two different categories, a second current users for desktop applications and mobile users for mobile applications. Okay, I got what you're saying. So, you know, all the data that's going into the system, right? All the data that's going in, all the data that's being collected, how do you store all that data? I mean, obviously, you you must be using some sort of cloud storage. How do you guys set that up so you have like redundancies and things of that nature Mm -hmm. and backups and and whatnot? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good, very good question. So our platform works with the SQL database. So it's stored in the SQL database, encrypted SQL, SQL database. And we every night run backups. So every single database we put to our backup server. And depending on the client, it usually takes 15 to 40 minutes to restore that database from the backup. Sometimes they need that. And we can restore that to the separate uh, called the sandbox um, environment where they can change something or, or fix something and see how it works. So if, if something were to happen, let's say, for instance, if they were to, I don't know, if a hacker was to lock them out of their environment, you guys would be able to back them up with the data from the day before. So that yes, they yes. Be- the worst case scenario, which we tell our clients, because we run every, every single night the backup, the worst case scenario, they can lose half of the day job. But again, it's in the worst case scenario. And yeah, we had several situations like that from different purposes, like like different reasons for why, why that happened. And yeah, we restore that information. Sometimes we restore the information like a month ago, six months ago to investigate what was the changes for a particular item in, in the database. Because say, for example, if we'd like to see who did what in the system, we have a traceability, we record every event. In some cases, we, you need to know what was the state of the database six months ago, a month ago, and compare and see what was the difference. Okay. And, we, we, and all- we talk, we're talking about integrity of data because sometimes, as we call rigor operational management system, oil field operation management system, and we connect usually with ERPs, and other other systems, and in some cases, you need to have like kind of integrity and understand how they talk to each other and uh, how the match data in ERP and in rigor. Okay, so do you guys? I guess you use what's called APIs, right, to have mm-hmm. the interconnection between all of the other 
software that they might be using so that it can feed into rigor yeah. data? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We call this not open API, but closed API from security standpoint. And in some cases, it's easy to, to connect two databases together through that bridge instead of having a separate software. And it's in some cases, it's faster. And from the economical perspective, it's cheaper for client because, you know, when you have three pieces of the software, you have three invoices. That's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the integration is, is very important right now because many clients use lots of different software. And some of our projects started from, okay, guys, can you do, for example, asset management and asset tracking? But we have CRM on another provider and we have the mobile tickets on another provider and we have accounting for another and we just you know start implementing one portion and then another and another and another modules replacing other things because it's easy to implement rigor and start running on the same software instead of building the integration with different software so so you've basically built out different modules to replace those other softwares so they don't in have some, a need for it. In, in some cases, yes, because we always sit down and see, okay, what should be a reason to replace the software? Because, again, if it's working, why we need to replace it? It's Yeah, we, we probably need to integrate. And, and integration is a very tricky thing because some of the API, open APIs, they claim that they have an integration, but they integrate only two fields. Client name, for example and items okay but what else how this will help us yeah you need to pay money for the and extra and extra and extra to have the third field fourth field open some documents etc so again integration always when you and when you see the integration check what exactly this integration means because sometimes it could be only two to three fields and another point sometimes there is no necessity for, for the integration. So sometimes you understand that those two systems can work parallel, but there is no document flow between them. I can give you an example. The geo-tracking and rigor. Geo-tracking works on the physical location of the objects. Right. We tracking on the kind of locations based on the documents. Okay. They connect it, but there is no really information flow between them. You can connect geo, geo module to rigor and it will be show you show the geographical location for that device. But you can already see that in that dashboard which you already have in this. And again, when you start comparing this, like is it is it beneficial from an economical standpoint? It's become questionable. Gotcha. So as the company has, you know, obviously grown and you know, time has gone by, you've gained more clients. You know, what are some of the things that you're looking for whenever you're thinking about bringing new people into the organization? What, what, what are you guys looking for? First of all, we're trying to, because again, the company is growing and it gives an ability to develop completely different skills. I always sit down with my guys and individually had a conversation of where you see yourself, what kind of skills you'd like to develop and where you'd like to grow. And for us, it's very important to have very kind of friendly and family situation in our team where everyone understands and have common values. And when we start thinking about adding people, we always see what kind of values they have and how they will match with the entire team. How do you measure those values? 
it's not easy. Sometimes for us is like kind of speed of action is, is important, as I mentioned. And the accuracy and the on time is very important. And if the candidate skip the interview or late for the interview, this is a first signal. That's probably not not our person. And again, it's very, very, very simple. And you see, because, you know, <laughs> the sense of urgency is another thing. So because we always ask, okay, how fast you need it? And the normal Standard deadline. field answer yesterday. Yeah, yesterday, <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. So it means it means that it's, yeah, it needs to be done right now. Because for some persons, again, different oriented, they can understand, okay, at the end of this week, for us, it's not acceptable. So again, you can see that literally from the first day, from the, the, the way how they respond on your, your emails, etc. And another, another thing, how these speed of action is important for us and is the, how they appreciate the technology and how they use the technology. So people need to be tech savvy. But in general, then it should be some correlation with our goals. So our goal is to bring digital technology to the oil field, to make oil field a better place, and again, bring oil and gas to the digitalization, to the oil and gas, and help the industry to grow and survive that kind of circumstance. Because we understand that, and this is, this is a new reality, that the, if you still will use paper tickets, you probably will be out of business in two to three years. Mm. Yeah, it's the next generation of the oil field. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we see that kind of when young people come to the industry, nobody used computers anymore. The old generation that you not use computer and young generation that use computer, they use mobile phones. And we understand that. So this is this is the kind of a shifting from paper to mobile phone. And mobile phone become right now probably number one tool. Because I always show my phone and, and tell the kid, this is my office. Yeah, um, yeah you people, work from people asking, what, Yeah. So that's, that's a new reality right now. And yeah. So again, if people think in our way, yeah, we, we see that match and we see and start growing. But we have, we have a probation period and we observe, gotcha. see how, how they work. And it's a lottery all the time. You all never know. We don't know what can happen, but in general, we're selecting in very, 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 very strong. But at the end of the day, we have a great team and we have fantastic results. Yeah, I've always heard, well, I'm not saying always, but I've heard it put a really interesting way, which is hiring is guessing, firing is knowing, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you never know what you're going to get with, with some people. Yeah, yeah. And, and another thing, so hire as slow as possible, fire as fast as possible. Right, exactly. What would you say, how would you describe your leadership style? Oh, I think it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very dynamic. And this is another thing which we leave. So today we do this thing, tomorrow we do this thing. And it's all, always, always changing and direction is changing. But for me, main role of the leader is to explain what we're doing, how we're doing, and show the big picture and vision for everyone and providing some portion of that picture for everyone so the people understand what is it for them. 
And this is kind of working with people, understanding what kind of values they have, what kind of goals they have, because they are different. And for just defining, okay, this is what the best way for you. This is where we go in and how this movement correlate with your personal development, professional development, common goals, etc. It's not all about the money. It's in many cases, especially when you're talking with, or, or with the developers, for them, more important to be valuable and create something yeah, big. Yeah, create something big. Yeah, understood. You know, how do you, you know, just change gears a little bit. How do you stay engaged with your clients to find out what they want or if they're happy or unhappy with, with the software? This is another way which I mentioned we choose our, with whom we work internally and we choose with whom we work externally. So it should be the same match with values. So if, say, for example, if the company has no website, they probably not appreciate technology and they will never be in our radar. We will not, we never talk to them. This was my, my initial selection method for the understanding who can work with us. And another thing, willing to grow. Not all the companies want to grow. And it was kind of a surprise for me. And if they not want to grow, if they want to be in the status quo, probably not our client. Our clients are focusing on the growing, appreciate technology, develop something for some use technological advantages to develop and penetrate their markets. And we help them. And we work with them as a partners. We sit down with them and say, okay, this is a problem. For example, the last one was our offline mobile applications work. So how we can read or generate tickets in a field without internet connections, but have all the valuable data which technician needs to provide maintenance and service for the unit. And we went to the New Mexico and literally driving with the field tech in the same car, same truck, see what kind of challenges they have, understand, and then providing a solution for them and discussing how we'll move forward with the management team. So it's more partnership with most of our clients and we deeply understand their processes and help them to make just a kind of, in some cases, streamline the operations. So we see, okay, they ask, okay, can you show us how many days we have this document and this status in average? What we can improve? Because when you talk about digital digitalization of the operations, it's not only technology. It's not only devices. But in many cases, it's about people and organization. So, because sometimes we sit down and say, okay, why you do this thing in that way? What is the reason? And in many cases, it's just a heritage. This is the way how we did all the time. And I've never heard we that show them. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And we show them, okay, from our perspective, the, the logical way will be that, not this way. And they try to you know, understand and adjust in some cases. Sometimes they explain why. And we have to change our, the software or change the algorithms internally. But it's two-way process, always, always two-way processes. And again, we understand that the implementation of the software is not the number one priority for them because, you know, but it can support them. And with some clients, we have ongoing development for four years, for five years. They tell us, okay, this is what we think, 
we will do in two years. Okay, we preparing, we see how other guys solving that problem. We collaborate with all our clients and providing them kind of a solution which we think will work for them. That's interesting because there's times in different organizations that I've seen where you've got, let's say, a leader of, a, of an organization that really is pushing for digitization of that company. You know, maybe that company's, you know, probably, let's say they're, you know, 14, 15, 20 years old. And so now they know that they need to start making these changes to digitization, right? Because like you said, they're using, they have a paper-based system. They know they need to move away from that. But there are, might be times when there are people, other leaders in that organization that maybe aren't as, as excited about it or don't feel like it's as appropriate. And you have these two different schools of thought, right? Because mm-hmm. one, you know, digitization, because you have the data, you can analyze it, you can make business decisions from it, right? The other is, you know, well, you know, what if the system goes down and we don't have anything, any paper systems? How do you get them to meet in the middle? How do you win them over, you know, to get them to to understand, you know, this is a good way forward? Yeah. First of all, we told them, okay, implementation of the operational software is a big project. It's not for two days or two months. You need to think about seven, 20 years of the constant working with this. So it's a mission critical software and you need to, we we understand all the worries, all the concerns which different departments have. And another thing which we see as a, as a side effect of rigor, of the, all the departments combining together and everyone start using one source of truth. Okay. So sales, operations, accounting, asset management, the top management of the company, they have one system and one source of truth and that is why there are lots of you know <laughs> political fight sometimes we not even see that but we know that it, it exists all the time and it stands between department sales for the operations operations accounting it's all the time oh yeah and what we tell them before we start the project we tell okay guys it should be your decision you need to have a consensus internally and we need to have support of every one champion in the organization, finance, service, sales, and operations in, gen- in general. And it should be, should be a support from the top management. And it should be a decision from the top management, which should be, okay, this is the way how we will do this. And no any other conversation about should we do or not, make a decision and move forward. Because it will be, I would put it that way, always will be a sabotage depending on what kind of level and the company need to understand that again digitalization the software or hardware is only part of the problem the main component here would be organizational structure and behavior and people People. because sometimes sometimes people are not ready yeah and we need to wait so and we tell some of our clients that Guys, you are not ready. You need to fix this and this. And after that, you will come to us. So you, there's times where you actually have to tell the client that they're not ready for what you're able to do to do for them because of some of the things that we mentioned. Maybe they just haven't gotten there yet as far as like ready to actually adopt new technology mm-hmm. and implement new technology. Because like you said, it is a very big undertaking. And quite honestly, it's not the primary concern or goal of that organization because... 
their goal is to get, you know, equipment out the door to the clients, take care of their clients, you know, grow their revenue, you know, take care of their people, you know, just by default that, you know, these projects come secondary to that, right? Yeah, So, true. you know, you need to have strong champions to make them continue forward because without that, you know, they fizzle off. And it's like you said, it's only as good as the people, right? Mm-hmm. Because you could have the greatest software system in the world. But if the people aren't actually feeding it right data, good data, you know, you're not going to get the maximum benefits out of it. Or not using them. Yeah. This is another, this is all using it in the wrong way because training is a very important component. And talking about the readiness, we have five steps roadmap. We call the five level of digitalizations when we identifying where they at right now. So the first level is the zero digitalization when you have paperwork and whiteboards, okay? So Mm -hmm. the second step, when you start implementing the desktop application like Excel or maybe a QuickBooks desktop, so kind of running everything on a computer, but it's not, it's limited through your office or a local network. The third step is the, when you are moving forward and put everything to the cloud. So your system become available anytime, everywhere. And the next step is mobile applications when you connect those mobile applications to your cloud. And the fourth, when you add Power BI and telemetry. So just to put some gadgets together. And the buzzwords which we usually hear about digitalization, kind of a digital twins, big data, artificial intelligence, those are probably a level five or six. And again, you couldn't even think about those levels when you sitting on a level two or level three. Yeah. And what we see right now that most organizations are level one or level two. So when they have some some sort of, they even can have the ERP system with clouds of the Excel spreadsheets. So it's not like ERP with extension of Excel spreadsheets. So for example, here's a list of your job, just list of your price list in, in Excel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And definitely, when we sit down with the client, we tell, okay, they told, we need, we need to have a mobile tickets, fuel tickets in a mobile, in mobile applications. I'm going to explain them, okay, to do that, you need to implement level three. You need to have everything in cloud. You need to understand how it works. And after that, you will go to the mobile. Because if you skip that, what you will, what you will put in mobile phone, you need to have the database, you need to have a system, you need to have processes in place understand how you will approve this mobile phone mobile ticket how you will assign work for that what kind of unit numbers will be a selection in this mobile application so there are lots of lots of small details and the procedures which we use as our methodology the implementation methodology regular yeah so that's a process so we've covered a lot about, you know, you, the business, you know, what you guys have done and, and sort of how you've gotten to where you are today and, and how you're bringing digitization to the oil field, specifically to oil field rental companies. How can people find you guys? How can they connect with you? Where do they need to go? Yeah, the easiest way would be rigger.us. It's our website. And rigger means rig equipment rentals. And you can connect with me in LinkedIn. So I'm really like this network so if you have any questions just 
feel free to contact me. Excellent, excellent. I really appreciate you spending some time with me today and tell us, you know, your story and obviously happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thank you. You know, we look forward to watching Rigor continue its, you know, upward trajectory and success and you know, hopefully in the next couple of years we'll have you back on the podcast and have an update and you know, we'll see where where things have progressed since then, okay? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Okay. Have a great one. Yeah, you too. Take care. Take care. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for June 2021. This month, we have six events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events that I talk about here. We even include events that occurred two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting two events. One is online and one is in person. For our online event, we're hosting a live stream titled Deal Value Creation, M&A and ONG. This is going to be on June the 2nd. And for our in-person event, we're relaunching our happy hours. It's been far too long since we had a good happy hour, so I'm sure plenty of you will be excited to hear that our next happy hour will be at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on June 24th. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts and network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. We hope to see you there. Other than OGGN's events, we have two in-person and two online events. First up, we have our two in-person events, which are the Energy Capital Conference on June 2nd at the Omni Houston Hotel and the U.S. Police and Fire Championships from June 10th to the 21st. The Police and Fire Championships will be hosted in multiple locations, so make sure to check out our events newsletter for more information about that. Next, we have our two online events, the first being the Post-Industrial Summit Series. This event actually started on May 4th, but it'll be ending later this month on June 22nd, so there's still plenty to see. And our second online event is the Big Data Industry Summit from June 9th to 10th. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for June. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Join us again next week for another episode of the Energy Scale-Ups podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.